Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. I'm Matt Eddy, sitting here with Ben Badler, and today we're going to talk about top top prospects in the minors uh, ranked by position in um, in honor of today's position rankings, which are going up on the site today. Uh, ben, we're going to start with pitchers, in particular right-handed starters, and I think the the area we should explore first is some of the players, some of the pitchers you like a little more than the consensus, which this year we had six individual rankers. Uh, so who, who are some of the pitchers you liked better than the consensus? Well, I think looking at the, you know, Matt, looking at the the top right-handed pitchers, I know we break it down by right-handed and, and left-handed pitchers. The top right-handed pitchers, you know, I, I, I agree with the, the top six guys that we have on our list. I think there's, you know, there's clearly, you know, six, uh, or, or there's really about ten or so elite uh, pitching prospects for me if we include left-handers, but just looking at the right-handed guys, you know, Tommy Hansen, Juan Neftali Feliz, uh, going on down the list, Trevor Cahill, Rick Porcello, Chris Tillman, Jared Parker. Uh, to me, those are pretty clearly, uh, to me, the, the, the six elite right-handed pitching prospects in the game. You know, how you, you mix and match those guys, uh, you know, I, I think you can mix and match them a, a few different ways. Uh, you know, Trevor Cahill is, is a guy I like a lot, obviously. Uh, you know his ability to, you know, get so much sink on his fastball, get so many ground balls, uh, yet at the same time have a you know a really nasty curveball that he's able to throw uh, and get swings and misses with. You know he doesn't just get swings and misses with that. He, you know his his fastball has so much movement on it that even though he's only throwing it, you know 88 to 92 miles an hour, maybe topping out at you know 94 when he you know reaches back and uh, wants to get a little extra mustard on it. But you know he doesn't he doesn't need to throw it hard. The fastball has so much movement and so much life on it that. You know, hitters are either going to swing and miss at it, or they're going to you know hit it into the ground. Uh, so I think to me those are kind of the, the six elite guys. Uh, you know, looking a little bit uh, further down the list, uh, you know, one guy I like a lot is is Michael Maine, who, who checked in at, at 25. And you know, obviously we're talking about right-handed stars. It's it's obviously going to be a, a deeper list than some of these other lists that we're talking about, uh, just because there are so many pitchers in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, Maine I think has a you know a really a, a great arm on him. Uh, you know, very athletic. He you know he, he had a little bit of injury problems this year, uh, which is obviously a concern going forward is his ability to stay healthy and stay on the field. Uh, but he has a good fastball, an excellent curveball. Uh, he had he had good strikeout numbers this year when he when he was on the field. So I think he's a guy to watch going forward to to jump up this list. Uh, you know, one other guy I, I think I probably like a little bit more than most. Uh, is, is Nick Barnice of uh, the of the Tampa Bay Rays, a right-handed pitcher that they had, uh, who was in you know he didn't even play in a full season league this year, but I think going forward he's he's definitely a guy who who could jump up this list a little bit uh, going forward, and I, I think I already like him more than some of the other names you know on the list. Uh, obviously, I'm a little bit uh, uh, you know ahead of myself there in terms of you know how much you know how high I am on on Nick Barnice, but. You know he has a, a good fastball, a, a very good curveball. Also, uh, you know he, he he does a lot of things well on the mound. He's, he had a lot of success this year as a 19-year-old. Uh, so to me, you know he was a guy who who, who I'm pretty high on. Uh, Matt, who are who are some guys that you know you look at the list and um, you know who who are some of the guys that that really jump out to you as some of the uh, the, the elite guys who are you know going to be seeing in the major leagues in the next few years. Well, I'll preface this first by saying that uh, I am, in fact, biased here. I covered the Padres and the Mariners, so I'm going to go to those wells and mention uh, Matt Latos with the Padres, who was the uh, first pitcher, actually, who did not make the, the top 100 prospects that we publish annually. 
he was the top ranked right-handed starter who, who fell just outside of the 100. Uh, Latos, uh, incredible, 92 to 95, down in the zone, hammer-breaking ball, and he's taken to a taken to a traditional changeup, which the Padres have taught him. He threw more of a um, more of a split version of that pitch as an as an amateur. Um, and Juan Ramirez with the Mariners, uh, kind of kind of slightly built now, but does it does it real easy 92 they'll show you 97 occasionally like Latos uh, incredible life down in the zone and at times an incredible breaking ball but that is a is a bit sporadic at this point so he'll have to improve upon that as he goes to the California League next year um, so was there anything else with right-handers you wanted to, to talk about maybe some guys who who are perhaps a little overvalued on this list well, I think, uh, you know, like, like I said, you know, the, the six guys on the list who, you know, those are kind of the elite guys. Uh, so you can mix and match those guys in a, in a lot of different ways. Uh, to me, uh, I guess I'm, I'm not quite as, uh, you know, bullish on, on Jake Arrieta as, as a lot of people are. Uh, or, or number 68 right after him, uh, Nick Aidenhart. You know, Arietta, you know, a college guy in A-ball. Uh, you know, there, there. I guess there's some reasons for leaving out a guy, leaving a guy at one level all year. Uh, but you know, he, he didn't make it out of A ball. And I know he he went to go pitch in the Olympics. Uh, but even in in high A, uh, you know, his his command, his control, he, he doesn't really throw you know enough strikes. I think his his stuff is good. Um, you know, his his fastball and and his breaking ball at least are you know those are good pitches. Uh, I just wonder, you know, he's he's going to be 23 next year, which is which isn't old by any means, but. You know, you, you, I just wonder if that control is really ever going to develop enough for him to throw enough strikes to be a good starting pitcher, you know, or if maybe he ends up, you know, better suited in in relief. Uh, and and Nick Aidenhart to me is, uh, you know, he he has a lot of talent, but at the same time, you know, 2008 was was not a good year for Nick Aidenhart. You know, he got off to a, a nice start and then didn't give up a lot of runs, but you know, he also wasn't missing a lot of bats with his stuff. Uh, he doesn't another guy who doesn't throw a, a whole lot of strikes. Uh, doesn't really control the strike zone uh, from the mound, so you know his his stuff is it's good. It's it's not great stuff. It's not you know lights out stuff. Or I think he'd probably be seeing you know some more swings and misses from the you know from the hitters when he's on the mound. Uh, so those are two guys who I th I might be a little bit more hesitant on the most. Uh, so th those those would be the two guys that, that kind of jump out to me. But you know we we mix and match these guys all the time. We'll, uh, uh, you know, every, everyone has these different opinions on guys, so those would be the, the two guys that kind of stand out to me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, same question. I, I have I have a sneaking suspicion. I know who you're going to say as we as we switch gears to left-handed starters. Uh, but for the purpose of this podcast, uh, same question: who who are you a little less enthusiastic about? Whom uh, other staff members seem to like quite a bit. We don't have to start with all the negative, man. We can go to the the positive. Uh, why don't you ask me who I, who I like more than most? I don't want to start off on a, a negative tone here. I'm just mixing things up. All right, we'll keep uh, this podcast fresh. All right, all right. We'll start with uh, we'll start with some of the some negativity for you today, I guess. Uh, but it's not that. Uh, it's, I don't mean to be negative about it. It's just that you know, relative to to where others perhaps uh, you know see him, you know, I'm a little bit lighter on on Derek Holland than, than some guys are. Uh, you know, I understand he had a you know an excellent year for himself and. You know, really, did he rise? You know, more than probably any prospect in in baseball this year in terms of what he's been able to do for status. You know, probably I think it's is a, a good argument for that. But uh, you know, he, he does. He, he usually works in 
in the low 90s with his fastball. And, you know, at the end of the year, he was getting up to 94, 95 a little more consistently and, you know, touching, you know, a little bit more in the high 90s. But I think normally he's going to work a little bit more in the, the low 90s. And I realize he had a, a lot of success in A ball, uh, you know, with that fastball and his ability to, to command that fastball. Uh, from reading the from reading Aaron Fitz scouting reports and, and Jim Callis' scouting reports on him uh, from the Midwest League and then that, that Jim did and then that Aaron obviously did from the the Rangers list uh, it sounds like his his secondary stuff is you know it's it's okay you know that the changeup is a, a tick above average and the slider is you know still kind of coming around uh, you know if, if he can turn that changeup into maybe a devastating pitch I could see it working out. Uh, where you know I, he would take a you know a pretty big leap forward in my book, uh, but right now I'm a little little more hesitant on guys who are just dominating off the fastball, especially in the lower levels of the minor leagues. I really I realize he had some you know some brief success in in Double A, um, striking out a lot of guys and, and not walking too many guys. I think he only gave up three home runs all season in uh, 150 innings or whatever it was. Uh, but I'm just a little bit more cautious on on Derek Holland than, than most folks I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so similar types of arguments eh, might be made about someone like the White Sox, Aaron Pareda. Uh, and if you're feeling especially uh, injurious, you could you could say the same thing about Madison Bumgarner over the Giants. Do you, th- do you think those are fair criticisms? I think so. I think with uh, with Pareda, uh, you know, I, some scouts I talked to see him as more of a you know a seventh or eighth inning guy in the bullpen. Uh, you know, th- you know his slider is it. You know, it's it's an all right pitch. It has its days. It has its moments. But you know, generally and with the the not with the frequency you'd like to see it. Uh, so I think he's a guy who could end up in the bullpen. You know, Bumgarner. I think he's a little bit of a different case because he is so young and just had so much success dominating low A hitters. Uh, you know, I went to go see him in a start uh, when he pitched at Greensboro, and he was just absolutely dominant. You know, he barely needed his slider. I don't. He barely used his changeup at all. Um, but he was not, not only was he just dominating hitters, uh, he, he was just absolutely painting the black inside, outside, uh, with, with his fastball. It was incredible to see, you know, and at, the, at that kind of velocity, you know, 92 to 94 miles an hour consistently from the left side, that's, that's an incredible weapon. You know, he is so young. He was 18 years old for almost all the season, and he really didn't throw the breaking ball uh, much when he was in, in, uh, in high school. So it's really kind of a, a newer pitch for him. It sounds like it is making some strides. Uh, so you know, there's you know, there's some concerns for him. He's you know a little bit funky on the backswing. He's still only in low A. You know, maybe he starts the year in double A and that accelerates his timetable. But anytime you have a pitcher who's you know at least a couple of years away from making an impact at the the big league level, you know there is that possibility of attrition and a guy breaking down. I don't think Bumgarner is necessarily a, a higher risk than than most guys, than most most pitchers, but. You know, it's it's obviously something to be concerned about. You know, that said, he's you know he's the the number three, uh, the number three pitching prospect from number three left-handed pitching prospect in the game. And I, I certainly you know agree with that. I think that you know those three guys, obviously David Price number one, Brett Anderson, uh, Bumgarner, and Mattis. To me, those are you know we have them one, two, three, four. You know, to me, those are pretty clearly the the four elite left-handed pitching prospects in the game. Yeah, and the way you describe. Pareda just now reminds me, and probably many listeners, of um, the good guy's current left-handed reliever, Matt Thornton. He gets that. I, I've heard that from scouts as well. He gets that comparison a lot from them. And I can see that. Um, okay, so we've gotten the negative out of the way. Uh, let's hear about some of the guys outside of those top four whom you're a little higher on. 
Yeah, I think uh, I guess I was a little bit surprised at uh, uh, at how high Jonathan Nice was. So maybe I'm not necessarily higher on him than most, but uh, you know he's a guy who who's had a success. He keeps the ball on the ground. You know he's pretty close to to making an impact in the major leagues. He's a guy who could be someone in in 2009 who helps out the the Mets at the big league level. Uh, so I think he has a a bright future ahead of him. You know sometimes I think we have a tendency to label guys as you know, he's kind of a safe number three or a safe number four. Uh, I think that's a little bit overused sometimes in terms of, you know, how safe a guy is or, you know, how, how limited his upside is. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he's a guy, uh, you know, a, a guy like that, you know, it's not necessarily a safe pick by any means. I think he's a guy who could have uh, some considerable upside at the big league level. You know, looking on, on down the list, uh, number 16, Danny Duffy uh, is a guy I, I like a lot. You know, he, he struck out almost 30% of guys in, in low A this year. You know, he's not going to overpower you with a fastball. And I'm curious to see how that works out for him as he moves up some some levels and whether that is able to translate, you know, into double AA, A, triple A, and, and at the big league level ultimately. But I think he does have a, you know, he has an excellent curveball. You know, he has enough on his fastball to to get hitters out. He misses a ton of bats, and he, he throws strikes. So I think he's a guy to, to look for going forward to, Probably to move up this list, you know, when, when we come out with uh, you know another list, hopefully in in 2010. Uh, and, and Matt, for you, or you know, when you look at this list uh, of left-handed pitchers, were there are there any guys to you who jump out as, as guys who who you're you know pretty high on, or not necessarily higher on than most, or, or maybe you can answer that question too. But you know, who are the the left-handed pitchers to watch going forward uh, in this year? Uh, to two two college lefties, uh, both from the 07 draft, who have to prove their durability issues are behind them for different reasons. Um, Brett Cecil with the Blue Jays, the left-hander, was a closer at Maryland. Uh, the Blue Jays have kept him on a very strict pitch count. You know, the guy, he's got a knockout slider, good good two-seamer. I mean, the guy's got the, the raw tools to be a mid-rotation starter or better, but he just hasn't been really let loose yet at the minor league level, um, and that leads to durability concerns. But provided that uh, he can hold up as a 200-inning starter. I think he's got a bright future. And the second pitcher is Nick Hagenon, the Red Sox supplemental first-rounder, whom we were uh, very aggressive with in ranking in our top 10. He ranked number three with the Red Sox. He ranks just 19th here among lefties. But pre-Tommy John surgery, he was a guy who, was, who pitched in the mid-'90s. And if he can make a full comeback, I think he's somebody to watch this year. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you know, Hagadone, Jake McGee, a couple of power arms. You know, maybe McGee. You know, McGee, obviously, another left-handed pitcher with the, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, who ended up getting injured this year. You know, maybe he's kind of in a similar boat, but he's, you know, he's pitched in double-A. Maybe he comes back and ends up being the, the closer for the Rays down the line. I think that's even before he got hurt. That's something, uh, a role that I think a lot of scouts looked at and said, you know, this guy could be, you know, a power left-handed arm out of the bullpen one day and, and just be a lights-out you know, pumping 96, 97 miles an hour out of that arm consistently in a, in a one-inning roll when his, his power fastball can play up. And then, you know, you mentioned Cecil. I think, uh, you know, David Huff is kind of, I don't want to say similar to, to Cecil. I mean, in terms of, you know, the, their styles of pitching, that, that's not really similar at all. Huff is more of a, you know, a, a plus changeup, whereas Cecil is, you know, his, his slider is, is his out pitch. Uh, but in terms of the, you know, the durability stuff, and when we look at pitchers and, you know, look at their performance level in the minor leagues, you know, both guys obviously put up great numbers, but you wonder, you know, Huff had a, an injury a, a couple of years ago where, 
you know, that kind of has, has limited the innings that the Indians allowed him to throw this year, or this past season, I should say. Uh, so, you know, he was only throwing five or, or six innings every, every time out. Uh, so we only had to get through the order, you know, to maybe the top of the order a third time. Cecil's kind of a uh, the same situation. We didn't really see them get through the, you know, that or go through the order that third time. So you wonder, you know, how is he going to hold up? How are hitters going to react to him, at, especially at the major league level, uh, when they have to go through the order that third time? So I have, a, you know, those are pretty. Those those are the questions that we have to deal with sometimes when, you know, just looking at the the raw output and the the performance of some of these pitchers that they have to take into take into account some of the, the context that, that's behind the numbers. Yeah, and it's interesting, another pitcher who might fit into that same group is the Braves' Cole Rohrbaugh, who ranked as the Appalachian League's number one prospect in 07, and between, or he started last year on the DL, I'm not sure if he, if he, if he finished healthy or not, but in between he tore up the, um, the South Atlantic League in low A, and we credited him with having the best curveball among left-handed starters in our best tools by position, a new feature for us this year, which you can read all about um, on the web version of, of top prospects by position. No. Yeah, Rohrball was a, I mean, he's probably one of the most disappointing guys who, who ended up getting injured this year, uh, for me at least. Uh, I was really looking forward to, you know, what he was going to be able to do fully, in kind of in a, a full season league, because uh, his, I think his ceiling is quite high, uh, or his potential is very high. Uh, with what you look at, what he can do from you know 90 to 94 miles an hour from the left side with that that big curveball uh, that he can throw, uh, so hopefully he'll be healthy for a, a full season this year. Yeah, it's funny. A, a trend that I'm noticing in, in all your selections, Ben, is is that plus, if not plus plus, curveball. You know, not just breaking ball, not slider. It seems like all your selections, and maybe this isn't the forum to go into it, but you you, you tend to to favor pitchers with big with big curveballs. Is that a fair assessment? I think uh, especially more so for, for right-handed pitchers than, than left-handed pitchers. I think, uh, you know, the, the fluidity in the wrist and, you know, I think there's some, there's some natural ability to, to throw a breaking ball. And, you know, I do a lot of our international coverage, too, uh, just talking, about, talking to international scouts about, you know, kids who sign at, at 16 years old, they're, they're evaluating kids who are sometimes 15 years old, and they're, they're talking to me, and we get into some of these discussions sometimes about, you know, a guy doesn't have a... You know, they knock a guy because he doesn't have a good breaking ball. It's like, well, you know, he's he's 15, he's 16 years old now. Uh, you know, maybe he'll will he develop one in the future. You know, some guys are split, but a lot of guys I talk to say, you know what, it's almost, sometimes it's almost as natural as just throwing a, the ability to throw a, you know, a 90 to 95 mile an hour fastball. Uh, just that natural fluidity, the ability to spin a pitch. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily going to be polished and refined, you know, at 16, 17, even, you know, 19, 20 years old. Uh, but to, to be able to show that potential to spin the ball, uh, to flash an occasional above-average breaking ball, uh, so that that to me is a key. I think you see a lot of guys who have, you know, cruised through the minor leagues. A lot of times, you know, you can put up, you can deceive a lot of guys in the lower levels of the minor leagues, especially uh, even on through Double A, with a you know a plus changeup that can really fool a lot of guys. or some deception in your delivery and rack up, you know, a lot of strikeouts. Most guys, you know, first-year guys right out of High school and, and sometimes even in college aren't used to seeing you know an, an above average changeup, a truly a, a plus changeup. So if you sh if you show that and, you, and you're and you're showing that in a ball, you know you can get you can catch a lot of guys off guard just by doing that. Get them out front, get them to swing and miss at a pitch they're not really used to seeing. Uh, so I think that you know the the development of the breaking ball is is definitely a, a key factor in that innate ability 
Uh, you know, it's it's obviously debatable whether it is innate, uh, but I think that you know there's only a, a certain amount of projection you can provide on a on a pitcher's breaking ball uh, to be able to project going forward. So that that to me is a key. I think left-handers maybe it's a little bit of a different issue sometimes for them uh, because they do face so many right-handed batters uh, where the changeup can be more of a you know a, more of a weapon for those guys. And you see, obviously, I mean, Cole Hamels is a his change is pretty much top of the line, so it's not really a, a great example to use, uh, just because it, it neutralizes you know lefties, righties. It doesn't really matter who he throws it to, uh, but you know, uh, having a being a lefty with such an advanced changeup sometimes can, uh, you know, negate having just kind of a, a so-so breaking ball. Uh, it's not a you know a, a hard and fast rule I have by any means, but you know it, it is a factor that I, I do weigh pretty considerably. Hmm. Okay. And that's probably a whole other podcast or, or feature, you know, the preferences for curveball, slider. I think, yeah, in terms of the development of, you know, what pitch you can project, you know, you, know, you can project fastball velocity a little bit. Uh, you know, you, you, can, you can project, you know, a guy's ability to throw a changeup based on, you know, his, you know how his arm works, how, how free and, and loose he is. You know, if a guy's, you know, pretty max effort guy, he's probably not going to, or has trouble repeating his arm slot, you know, maybe the, the changeup is not something you can, you know, project on a guy and may, may, maybe you end up looking at him in a, a different role rather than as a, a starter. So, uh, you know, the, the projection on each individual pitch can, you know, vary and it depends on, you know, which scout, to or which scout you talk to or, or who you're talking to, but everyone has their different beliefs on that. And before we, we finish our uh, final pool of pitchers, which is relievers, Wanted to mention this year we have uh, we've we've ranked the positions by star power. Out of five stars, we gave right-handed starters four and a half, and we went 35 deep in that uh, category. With left-handers, we gave them four, went 20 deep. It's a very deep positions in the minors right now. And with relievers, we gave them two stars uh, and went only 10 deep. And we probably should begin with uh, the positive here and and maybe hear a little bit about a few of your favorite relievers among this 10-player this pool? Uh, well, relievers are obviously, you know, the, the best relievers, the best future major league relievers are going to be on this, on our right-handed and our left-handed starting pitching prospects list. Now, obviously, if, if you, uh, these are the guys who probably have the most talent uh, in the minor leagues right now, but for, you know, X, Y, or Z reasons, they end up getting hurt or, uh, you know, maybe for some reason their, their stuff plays up a little bit better in the bullpen, uh, they might end up moving to you know, to relief in the, in the big leagues. And, and one guy who looks like he's already going to move into the bullpen role uh, is Adam Miller, uh, the Cleveland Indians uh, right-handed pitcher. Uh, he's been a starter throughout the minor leagues, but uh, can't really mention Adam Miller without talking about his inability to, to stay healthy. Uh, it's just basically, fortunately, what he's, you know, known for mostly when, when you think of the name Adam Miller, you think of, you know, all the injuries that he's had over, the, over his career. You know, that said, his stuff is still there, it sounds like. You know, he's hitting 97 miles an hour with his fastball. You know, he still has that electric arm. The injuries really haven't taken a toll. You know, he's had some finger problems. Uh, he really hasn't had a, a bad shoulder problem that's really zapped him of any of his arm strength or anything like that. So, you know, the, the fastball is still there. The slider is still there. He does throw strikes. He does miss bats. So he's a guy, you say, all right, we're not going to worry about trying to keep him healthy over a, over 200 innings because you know it's it's probably just not going to happen right now. So let's just put him in the bullpen where he can just air it out in one inning stints. And he's a guy who I think you know they they have Kerry Wood there. Uh, he's probably a almost a perfect guy to 
you know, mentor Adam Miller and, and help him out in his development in the bullpen. So, you know, he could potentially be setting up Kerry Wood, and, and one day, uh, you know, if, if Kerry Wood leaves in, in a couple of years, I think Miller could possibly supplant him uh, in the, the back of uh, Cleveland's bullpen. Uh, you know, Matt, when you, you look at some of these guys, uh, obviously Samarja made an impact in the, the big leagues this year. Chris Perez got a taste. Uh, Daniel Bard's throwing 100 miles an hour. Jose Seda's throwing 100 miles an hour. And obviously a lot of really hard-throwing guys uh, in the bullpen in the minor leagues. Uh, and then we have our, our X-Factors, Joshua Fields, who, who recently signed with the Mariners, and, and Jason Mott, uh, you know, an, another guy who's pumping up in the high 90s. Who, who are the guys that or who is the guy who you look at from this list as a, you know, a guy to watch to make a, an impact in a, a big league bullpen? Uh, probably the ultimate example of that is uh, is the Twins lefty Jose Mahares, the, the first lefty we ranked in, among relievers, a player who got into a car accident. I believe it was last January in his native Venezuela, and missed a, missed a chunk of the year, but seems to have shown no ill effects from fracturing his his pitching elbow and. Uh, He's intriguing for the rare velocity he offers for a lefty, the type of guy who can, he's not a strictly left-on-left guy out of the bullpen. He's somebody who Ron Gardenhire can go to for an inning at a time to, to you know, retire the heart of the order if need be. Maybe not right out of the gate, but in the second half of, of this season, he's somebody who provided he keeps he keeps conditioning a priority. He's, he's, a, he's a guy who tends to, to, to gain weight. Um, provided that happens, I think he could be an impact reliever. So he would be my sleeper, so to speak. I think that's uh yeah he, he's definitely a, an interesting guy. I think you know obviously Jason Mott to me is also a just kind of a fascinating story in terms of you know his his path to the big leagues and you know what he's able to do. I, guess, I think the question on him is will he have enough you know secondary stuff to be able to succeed at uh, you know succeed at the major league level. I think he's already shown that you know he, he does have a track record. In Triple A, of, of striking out, oh, I think it was almost 15 batters per nine innings. Uh, you know, at, at that point, when a guy is striking out that many guys in in Triple A, you know, I'll, I'll I'll believe in him. To I, I have a belief that he'll be able to you know translate that into to major league success because that's just that's just so many bats missed. And he did too in his in his four right. week audition. Uh, I get there's some deception there. I think he kind of how was it how was his motion described? Did, did you hear? It was kind of like a like he hides it well, and then it's kind of like a dark. It sounds like he does have some uh, some deception in his delivery, and when you're, you know, most guys aren't really deceptive and throw in the high nineties. Usually it's deceptive and eighty eight to ninety one that we hear about, and you know, fooling a lot of guys like that. You know, maybe they they raise their front side or you know, pretty short arm action, kind of a you know a stabber in the back, and you know, he was a former catcher, so you know, that would make sense. But uh, you know, he's he actually has the deception and the uh, the high octane arm and the power stuff that you. You love to have in a a closer like that. Definitely. Um, okay, so I think we we're, we're coming to the end of our of our pitcher segment here. Um, and, and don't forget to check out the online version of this, as as I've alluded to at least two other times. Um, so, do you have any final thoughts on pitchers, Ben? I think it's uh, it's it's a uh, you know it's obviously gonna it's every year we're probably gonna have a, a pretty deep crop of, of pitchers. Uh, you, you know, this year obviously we have. Uh, you know, Michael Enoa on the list this year and, and Martin Perez. Uh, you know, a couple of standout Latin guys. Obviously, Perez has already pitched. He's, he's the only uh, left-handed pitcher. You don't usually see a lot of lefties necessarily coming out of uh, Latin America. Uh, so I, th- I think just going forward to, 
to mention a couple of Latin American arms. I think those are two guys to obviously watch going forward. And, you know, Noah, you know, where do you rank Noah? I mean, we didn't even rank Felix Hernandez in the in the entire handbook the year that, uh, you know, the handbook came out after he first originally signed. You know, now I always think Latin American prospects get a little bit more uh, recognition than they used to, or there's a little bit more attention drawn to them. Uh, so, you know, is should we rank Michael Noah, you know, in our top 100? You know, where should he rank in the top 100? Should we even put him in the book at all? Or, uh, you know, I think he certainly deserves to be in the book. I mean, we didn't put Hernandez in the book, obviously, but, you know, now he's a potential Cy Young candidate at 23, going on, you know, 24 years old, I believe. Uh, so, you know, those are some of the, the decisions that we have to make. Uh, you know, I, I, I like where Noah ranked at 54. Uh, so I think he's obviously one guy just to, you know, we'll see how he does this year. But, uh, you know, he'll only be 17 this year, so... I'll have to check back on him in, in 10 years. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so for Ben Badler, I'm Matt Eddy. Uh, thank you for downloading this Baseball America podcast.